Have you had to change your skill set in-house or have you um, looked for support externally to sort of meet the, these new worlds you're venturing into? So upskilling internally and having a consistency in our approach because the danger is if we just suddenly did everything with external agencies, they just don't know the brand as well. So what I've been trying to do is to think about how we tell the stories behind the brand and particularly around, you know, why we believe that our chocolate is better and what we're doing also to improve the cocoa industry because I think today consumers are far more interested in brands that are actually also trying to do some good in the world. So we really start to work through how we're going to tell those stories, how they're going to unfold over time. And we have now started to work with some external agencies to complement our capabilities and just the volume of things that we can get out because we are a small team. Um, what's the response to that been like? We've, you know, we've seen much more engagement from our consumers. It's also led to a lot more user-generated content. Welcome to Content Talks brought to you by River Sounds, where we discuss how to get the best out of your content marketing investment. There are many ways to get your content to market, but in this episode, we discuss content collaborations. Should you work with an agency or do it all in-house? We were lucky enough to be joined by Lisa Hardy, board director and CMO of Hotel Chocolat, who helped us highlight the benefits of various content creation methods. Lisa, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, how's everything going? Really well, actually. Yeah. Good. I mean, this is our busy time. Everyone loves chocolate all year mm. round, but particularly at Christmas. Um, so busy, busy, but all good. I can imagine. Yeah. Fantastic time to work for Hotel Chocolate. Um, so to, to kick off, can you tell us a little bit about your chocolate career to date and sort of how um, you got the position of CMO at one of Britain's best loved brands? Yeah, so um, I, I've i known the business uh, effectively since they launched. I was a, a customer very early on um, and uh, I've had a career in retail and marketing and I really admired what they were doing as a retailer um, because they were really not conforming with the mm. norms of retail and, and, and I was curious about that. So I've watched them very closely for many years. Um, I'm also a big chocolate fan, so uh, I, I love their product. Um, and then last year, I had a call out literally out of the blue from a headhunter saying they were looking to appoint their first CMO. Uh, it was a new board role, mm. um, recognizing the scale the business is now at. Um, and they, they had me at Free Chocolate. Wow. <laughs> I can imagine they would have had me too. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Hotel Chocolat and its business objectives? Yeah. So, I mean, Hotel Chocolat has a, a mission to give the world access to better quality chocolate. Um, and it's it's probably a misunderstood fact that most of what people think of as chocolate is actually confectionery. So if you go into a supermarket um, and pick up a bar of pretty much any brand, the first ingredient is very probably going to be sugar. Um, and, uh, and our view is that means it's not chocolate, it's confectionery. Wow, okay. <clears throat> so um, 
We absolutely have a rule that our number one ingredient is always cocoa or mm. cacao, um, as it's traditionally known. Um, and we have a philosophy of more cocoa, less sugar. Um, now, 100% cocoa chocolate, I don't know if you've tried it. Um, it's definitely an acquired taste. I can imagine, yeah. Um, so we do have to put an element of sugar in to mm. suit the palate of of you know, what people enjoy and would want to, sure. want to buy. But we try to keep that to a minimum. Mm. Um, and I guess we have a secondary objective, which is whilst we're trying to educate the world on better chocolate and bring better chocolate to people to also improve the cocoa industry mm. while we're doing it. Wow, that's a fantastic ob objective. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting what you say about the con confectionery because Hotel Chocolat is, I mean, f arguably, objectively nicer than... Um, than much of the confectionery chocolates, but yeah, it's got such a high cacao quantity in it. Um, so what's your role within the business and, and sort of what are the broad deliverables um, that you're in charge of? So uh, my title is Chief Marketing Officer, um, but my accountability is wider than that, really, what, what people would typically expect a, a CMO to be responsible for. So mm -hmm. um, I am, of course, responsible for marketing, um, and all of the sort of customer facing communications that mm. we have, um, all of the work that we do around brand, um, and how that permeates across the business, um, across all of our channels. Um, I'm also responsible for e-commerce. So, um, we have a website, which is a, you know, good proportion of our sales. Um, so how we're trading that website, how we're presenting ourselves on that website and the content associated with that website. Um, I also run, we have an internal agency, so we do our creative work in-house currently. So I run that team. Wow. Um, I run our um, CRM team. So we're just stepping up really our skills and capability on mm -hmm. uh, customer relationship management. And I also run, um, which is my favorite part of my job, the category and product team. So looking at what new products we will range, um, testing and tasting those products, approving Fantastic. those products and all the commercials that go with that. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. So how do you determine what the customer journey uh, looks like for your customer cohorts? So um, I think for me, you know, I've worked in a number of retail sectors um, and the philosophy is pretty much the same is that mm -hmm. you've got to start with the customer and put the customer at the heart of it. So understand who your customer is, understand why they're buying your products or your service um, and understand how they want to do that and what opportunities you have to elevate that experience. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons that we've been improving our skills in CRM is so that we can get better insight and understanding of that. Right. Um, and as we've grown as a business, um, it you know, we've gone from uh, a customer base who was probably pretty savvy about chocolate and cacao already to a more mass market customer base. So there's an opportunity. We can't assume that those customers shop with us because we've got more cocoa mm -hmm. and we're very ethical about how we do business. They shop with us because they love our product. So there's an opportunity to interject in that customer journey to help educate them about the cocoa industry and the product, wow. help um, entertain them with our brand. Mm -hmm. um, so really, it, it, it kind of starts and ends with being led by the customer. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you create that sort of interjection all in-house, all from, 
from you guys at Hotel Chocolat. Um, what channels do you create the content for and, and for what purpose besides the sort of in, that interjection? Um, so historically, I joined the business just over a year ago. Um, and historically, the business was very um, physical location centric. So everything was oriented around our shops. Mm. Um, and we did a little bit online, but it was more about trading rather than a customer experience online. So one of the things that I've done since joining the business is to start to look across every touch point the customer has with us. Um, and that, that, of course, that could be in a shop. It could be on the website. It could be in social media or on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It could actually be receiving a gift through the post that somebody sent directly to them. So all of those are opportunities for us to tell our brand story and deliver some kind of content. So we now have a much more centralized view across all channels of what are the stories we want to tell. Right. Um, and a, a sort of more overarching approach then about, okay, if this is the story, we might tell it slightly in a different way through the channels or deliver it in a different way. But this is the story we want to tell and that's consistent across the touch points. Fantastic. Um, so we have moved on quite a lot in the last 12 months. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, so do you need to get a buy-in from within the business um, to support in-house content uh, creation? Um, and are your most senior team in support of, of the value of content or did you have to take them on the journey with you? So in terms of buy-in, I guess the, the um, advantage of me having a board position is I'm empowered to make a lot of decisions. Mm -hmm. um, however... Um, Hotel Chocolat was founded by two guys, Peter and Angus. They are still very much in the business. Mm. Um, so it's really important that they are aligned to, you know, and, and I am aligned to, you know, where we are going. Mm. Um, the brand was invented by them. Um, it, it very much kind of personifies what they are as people. So, yeah. um, so the, ma the main piece for me is just to make sure that there's alignment with Angus and Peter and that we're all kind of, very cohesive and, uh, and together in terms of where we're taking the brand and the customer journey. Um, in terms of the team, that has been uh, quite a transition. So um, there were uh, there were skills gaps in the team that we just didn't have from a kind of modern day marketing mm -hmm. function. So I would say I have probably changed 80% of the marketing team um, to bring in skills um, and experience really mm. in helping us really move things forward in terms of how we talk to our customers through our channels. Brilliant. So what do those skills look like in, in practice that you've been looking for to, to enhance your team? So um, social media is a, a you know classic one. So we there was actually nobody managing social media in the business when I joined. Um, and so it, stuff happened, but it, mm. it was very disjointed. And if you'd have looked at our feeds, you know, a couple of years ago, it was quite evident that there was nobody really managing it. Right. So, um, so I now have a social media manager in the business. And we have a number of different channels because we've got some different sub-brands. So Hotel Chocolat is obviously our key uh, master brand, but mm. we also have a beauty business called Rabo 1745. Okay. Um, and so we um, we do things on under the Rabo brand as well. Um, we also have a restaurant in Borough Market, um, also called Rabo. Um, so Rabo is our um, the name of our estate in Saint Lucia, where we actually grow some of our own cocoa. 
Right. Um, and so we have a restaurant uh, that that has sort of a Caribbean-inspired menu in Borough Market. So we have our, our own feeds for, for Rabo. So <clears throat> we also have a hotel on our plantation in St. Lucia. Um, and so what, what that social media manager does is actually looks across all of those mm-hmm. brands and make sure that they're doing their own thing individually in terms of what's relevant to their customers and their audience, mm-hmm. but that it all wraps up cohesively under the Hotel Chocolat master brand. Right. So those um, those channels, they cross over quite often, do they, to support one another? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Sometimes definitely not. They're doing different things, but mm-hmm. sometimes they come together. So things like, you know, World Chocolate Day, um, you know, we are a brand that's rooted in cacao, whether it's the hotel, the restaurant, or mm. or even the beauty brand, actually. So um, so World Chocolate Day, we're, we're all aligned and we're doing the same thing. Brilliant. So um, from a practical point of view, how is each element of your content ecosystem managed? So you've got social media, managing the social media. How are the other um, elements of, of the ecosystem managed? So um, I made a few changes there. Again, it's all about really bringing cohesiveness and um, sort of bigger thinking. Mm. So we had a, a copywriting team um, led by a very talented copywriter who actually is a, an ex-editor and journalist. Um, and so we've we've sort of repositioned her role to be head of brand voice. So she really has oversight of everything that we're doing in terms of storytelling to make sure that it's reflecting our brand and that we're using the right tone of voice and the right language. Um, so she doesn't so much focus on a channel particularly, but really just the oversight piece. Right. Um, and then we have the way that we manage it is we have a monthly content and editorial meeting. And we bring together the people across the business that are looking after different channels. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, right, what are the stories next month? Which are the channels? That, is that going to be all channels? Is it going to be some channels? How is that going to be relevant? What angle are we going to take? Mm-hmm. So we really start to work through how we're going to tell those stories, how they're going to unfold over time. Um and we have now started to work with some external agencies to complement our capabilities and just mm-hmm. the volume of things that we can get out because we are a small team. Um, and so we make sure that where we're working with an agency, they're involved in that. So they have oversight, kind of sight of everything that we're doing mm-hmm. um, across all the channels. Right. So it's just really important, I suppose, that you're constantly working with one another from each, each head of each channel to make sure it's all cohesive. And, and that's your sort of main mission to ensure that it all works together. Absolutely. Um, constantly in communication, to make sure that narrative is, is, is strong. Yeah. Um, so have the types of content that you created changed at all? Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, I think when I first joined, um, my observ- you know, you, obviously before you join a business, you look at their social media mm. as a, a kind of a gauge of what they're doing. Um, and there was a lot of product content. In fact, it was almost exclusively, you know, today it's this chocolate, tomorrow it's another chocolate, and then the next day it's a different chocolate. And I was like, okay, so it's chocolate. And guess what? Your Hotel Chocolat, I kind of know you do chocolate. <laughs> so um So what I've been trying to do is to think about how we tell the stories behind the brand and particularly around, you know, why we believe that our chocolate is better Mm -hmm. and what we're doing also to improve the cocoa industry. Because I think today consumers are far more interested in brands that are actually also trying to do some good in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So we... That sort of moved us very quickly into using video for storytelling, which the business had not done before. It mm-hmm. was it was all image based. Um, 
So we've ha- and that's again where we've had to bring in some agency help to get you know more moving image, sure, um, and and also different photography. So not just photography of our product, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know photography of uh, the environments that we work in. We try and do more around you know, meeting the people behind the business, not just the product. We've got a development kitchen. So we we not only develop all of our recipes in the UK, we manufacture all of our product in the UK. And that's a story, again, that I don't think we were telling. Yeah. So showing some of the humans behind the product and the fact that they're here in the UK and we develop everything from scratch, mm-hmm. it's actually something that our customers have really engaged with. Yeah. It sounds like you're really evolving the way the content's created and creating some really strong and engaging narratives for Hotel Chocolat. Um, what's the response to that been like? It's been, it's been fantastic, actually. So um, we've, you know, we've seen much more engagement from our consumers. It's also led to a lot more user-generated content. Mm-hmm. So I think because people are more engaged with us now, rather than just being a chocolate passing through their newsfeed, we've got a point of view and therefore they're wanting to respond back with a point of view. So we're seeing a lot more comments um on on our um on our posts and on our content. We're seeing a lot more people posting things back to kind mm. of reflect their view on something. Um and that's brilliant because not only does it get customers more engaged, but it it's really helpful insight for us to see what customers are posting back because it tells us a lot about what's resonating with them, where their heads are at in terms of our mm-hmm. brand, um, and then helps inform our forward plans. Yeah, I suppose encouraging that user-generated content is the most valuable thing for 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 a brand. And yeah, as you say, seeing what is going on in their heads and, and their response to things. Is yeah, and a invaluable. good example of that is um, we launched ice cream, um, ice cream of the gods, a couple of years ago, which is an ice cream that is infused with cacao nibs. So it it doesn't taste overly chocolatey, but mm. it's got a very delicate and rich flavour to it. Sounds wonderful. Cacao actually has a lot of health benefits, and I'm not trying to tell you that ice cream is healthy, but <laughs> but some of the the properties of uh, the good properties of cacao kind of come into the the ice cream, and um, but we only had a few stores with ice cream machines because the machine's quite expensive, mm. and it was a bit of a test. And what we noticed when we started to put more focus on social media was our customers posting loads of pictures of them with their ice creams, Mm. meeting their friends for ice creams, a real kind of social occasion. And what what that told us was that, you know, the the product was resonating. People were loving the ice cream. And so we decided to invest and expand the locations that you can actually have access to ice cream. And Mm. then it it kind of mushroomed. And then customers were saying, you know, when are you going to get an ice cream machine in my local Hotel Chocolat? Um, And from there, I mean, this is all in the course of 12 months. Um, This summer, we've been able to really focus on our drinks and ices proposition. So we've now got chalk shakes. We've got um, ice cream sundaes with different chocolate toppings. Um, and we've been a business that typically saw a slight dip in footfall in sales in the summer months mm. because people don't necessarily gravitate to chocolate when it's very hot. Um, to actually, by expanding that drinks and ices proposition, 
we've seen us grow sales and footfall in the summer months. So it's had a, a profound impact wow. on our commercial performance. Yeah, it really has. It's fascinating to hear how it's bloomed out all these new products and had an incredible impact on, on, on the brand itself. That's fantastic. So do you have a content dissemination tool? No. So um, again, one of the things, one of the challenges I suppose I've had uh, in joining the business was not just that we didn't have the school, the, the skills, um, but we didn't have kind of the systems and IT infrastructure either to support that. Mm-hmm. So I guess my approach has been let's let's get on with it whilst we build some of those things. So we've got fairly clunky ways of doing things. Um, we use an awful lot of Dropbox, which is really not ideal. We have just put in a digital asset management system. Um, so at least we can store everything in one place and find content and search for content. Whereas before it was previous, it was literally, you know, on, on some individual's computer and whoever was in the office that day might be able to find it. It was, it was right. that bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got to a slightly better place, but we're now at the place of saying, okay, this is a key area for us. We've got to invest and look forward at um, how we actually manage this. Mm-hmm. But that also includes, you know, do we keep everything in-house or do we start to outsource some aspects of that? Right, okay. So at the moment, obviously, most of the content you do, other than the video, um, is, is in-house. Um, so what do you get from having your, your in-house team so close to the customer? Um, and would you ever pass that responsibility on to an agency? I think the benefit of us doing it in-house currently and historically has been we have a group of people that really understand our brand. Um and really understand our customer um, and can respond to that very quickly. We are a very innovative culture, so we have a lot of things that change um, last minute, mm-hmm. um, a lot of new ideas that come in very late in the day. Can imagine. And having a team in-house that's used to responding to that and working together um, means we can still execute very well. Um, I guess what I've done by bringing in some sort of selective um, support from outside for particular projects is shown that we can still manage to maintain that equilibrium whilst adding in some real expertise in in key areas. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the question I've got now is we are scaling globally. So we've just opened in Japan and New York. Um, So we're now in the three biggest chocolate markets on the planet, um, which is brilliant. And it's going really well Um, but obviously in those two markets we're brand new as a brand Mm. Um, so we've got even more storytelling to do absolutely plus we've got the the complication of language slightly different culture Um, so I guess my thought is because my current uh, creative team are UK centric Mm -hmm. is is that the opportunity where we start to work with partners that have got that global expertise that can translate much more quickly and much more ably Mm -hmm. Um, our stories into those local markets. So that's that's kind of what my conundrum right now is is what's the right time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings me nicely onto my next question. Um, have you had to change your skill set in-house or have you um, looked for support externally to sort of meet the, these new worlds you're venturing into? Bit of both. So I think we have um, we have tried to change some of the skill set internally. Um, and also just get get some of the existing skills looking at things differently. Mm-hmm. So we have a strong design team, um, but the design team weren't looking at the Instagram grid 
Um, so, you know, actually now having a designer who's responsible for curating that grid and making sure it looks right all the time and is, is optimized mm-hmm. has really had benefits. Um, we also have started to bring in some additional skills like retouching um, because actually we were just paying a ridiculous amount of money on retouching because we'd upped the volume of photography mm-hmm. that, that we were putting out there. Um, but then things like video, we've just decided to use outside resource for that right now. Okay, so why did you choose this arrangement um, and how does your organisation benefit? I think... Um, we be- I, su- I suppose it's the um, the combination of those things that we've benefited from. Mm-hmm. So we've benefited from upskilling internally and having a consistency in our approach because mm-hmm. the danger is if we just suddenly did everything with external agencies, they just don't know the brand exactly. as well straight away. It takes mm-hmm. time. Um, so we've got that consistency going through with a creative director who's been in the business for five years, who's superbly talented. Um and, you know, she gets oversight of, of everything that's happening. So so from a customer point of view, nothing looks any different. We're just doing more of it. Yeah. Um, but we've benefited from bringing in those additional skills that, so for video, for example, rather than us sort of learning our way and getting it not quite right to start with, we've worked with some world-class partners that mean, you know, what we're putting out there is exceptional quality um, and the execution is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can do more, more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you measure the the success of of those ventures? I suppose ultimately I measure it in sales. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the objective, you know, m- marketing is about selling stuff fundamentally. But I do look at um, more detailed measures. So things like brand awareness, uh, brand engagement, brand consideration. Um, so we've started to track those things um, to show that what we're doing creatively is deepening our relationship with yeah. our customers. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on, on the sales. That's fantastic. Uh, you're obviously doing some really great work. Um, so would you ever consider a collaborative approach with an agency to evolve your marketing strategy at the same pace that consumers' uh, interests evolve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of working with agencies. Um, I think it's important you find the right agency, mm-hmm. um, not just on talent, because there's many talented agencies out there, but also on culture. Mm. Um, and the way that you work in inside the business has to be in sync with the way the agency works. Absolutely. Um, so, um, so, you know, absolutely, I would consider that, um, especially as I say, we're now sort of globally expanding. It feels like we've been We've gone from first gear to third gear, and now we need to go to fifth gear. And I yeah. think we need to really sort of amplify what we're what we're able to do. Right. So the culture of that agency would have to be in fifth gear, and um, to match that Absolutely. acceleration. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so if you had three takeaways for the listeners on how content strategy uh, will and should evolve in terms of new channels and types of content in 2020 and beyond, um, what would they be? I think number one is about. Um, where the customer interacts with your content. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, it's kind of a default to say it has to be in a digital channel. Um, and certainly our experience with our customers is that's not always the case. So we've got you know 120 stores, locations um, across the country, um, and they are prime places for us to get content into the hands of our customers and to get them engaged so I think, you know, think think more widely across all of your channels mm. around how you can tell the stories and how you can get the content out there. Mm-hmm. I think the second for me 
is um, to think about the kind of content that you want to deliver and what's the best way to tell a story. Um, again, I think sometimes, you know, whatever the latest um, trend is for delivering content, everything gets, every story gets shoehorned into that method of mm. delivery. And sometimes delivering it in a slightly different way can actually make it even more engaging and deepen um, the interaction with it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that's the the, the, the second one. Um, and I think the third one is to just think about um, what's the best way to develop that content mm. um, and how can you use the people that you have and supplement that with additional skills if you need it um, to really get the best execution that you can. Fantastic. I think that's great advice. Hotel Chocolate Art is a fantastic brand. So, you know, well done. Congratulations on, on helping it evolve and, and you know, increasing sales and, and uh, um, really showing your passion and, and love for the brand. It's, it's wonderful to see. And Lisa, you've been great. So thank you so much for, for coming on and speaking with us. And uh, we hope to speak to you again at some point. Great. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. something changed right in front of their eyes. Enough is enough. Like, I'm not getting worse from this point. How are the guys at Barcelona training? How are the guys at Man United training instead of just staying in the bubble? A growing number of big brands are communicating with their customers through podcasts, helping engage on a whole new level. Podcast listeners create strong trust with brands through podcasts. 76% of UK listeners have acted on a podcast ad. Listenership is growing across all age groups, notably in young adults aged 15 to 24. With around one in five now listening to podcasts every week. Growing statistics like this prove that podcasts are a medium not to be ignored. So, what's stopping you bringing your brand to the conversation? Yeah. River Sounds is a division of the River Group. We work with companies globally to create and distribute original podcasts to augment their branding and marketing efforts. We leverage existing content, such as blogs and social media, to design, plan, create, and distribute high quality podcasts. We focus on creating podcasts that increase brand awareness, aid in customer education, and help support customer retention. It's time for your brand to make some noise. River Sounds, bring your brand to the conversation. conversation.